0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast where we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we'll look at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from the Superhero Ethics Podcast. And I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. Today we're talking about Minute 62, which begins with Jane and Eric arguing about science versus magic, and ends with Agent Coulson wondering if Thor received his training in South Africa. Joining us on the show today, as every day this week, we have the hosts of Season 2 and Season 3 of the Marvel Movie Minute, Kyle Olson and Rob Kavosko. Rob and Kyle, it's great to have you guys back. What is it like for you two being on the other side of the table for a Marvel Movie Minute as guests? Oh, my God. Oh, it's so, so much great!
1: <laughs> I watch, I watched the minute once or twice, and I was like, Yeah, that's good. Oh no, I mean, I <laughs> you guys have the heavy lifting to do. I don't have to figure out what the type of car is or what the type of lamp is or what book is uh, to find out what's on the page, like you guys did. I just had to sit back and throw color commentary well, around. I, it's great. Okay, <laughs>
2: I, I mean, I checked I figured out what models of monitors there are in this scene. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> hey. Well, that's
2: what we do. No, oh my God, it's so I'm just great! My
0: sparkling. Kyle, did you not pass on that email to Rob? We emailed you the memo that said you're guest, not (laughs) host. Oh,
1: It's old habits. We're going to let Kyle
0: and Rob argue about that while we play you all the promo. We'll be back in a moment.
3: We're really excited about what Discord offers as far as creating a community. We'd love to have you come join us. Uh, Rob and Kyle are in there. We're in there. We really want to get more people in on the conversation about all the stuff we love about Marvel. Head over to TrueStory.fm/slash Marvel Movie Minute and click on the Discord link. It'll take you right to our Discord group. You can join, become a member, and get in on the conversation with us. Again, head to TrueStory.fm/slash Marvel Movie Minute. All right, we're coming back in in the middle of this argument between Jane and Eric about science and magic. Where do you two think scientists would really fall in this? Is there a line where magic is just magic and not science for like, I mean, when what's Loki doing or Doctor Strange or these floating buildings we saw? I mean, where, where do you two land with this?
2: Ooh, that's a. Dang. Okay. I mean, we're just the song and dance guys.
0: Like, I don't know. That's a little that's a little deep. We ain't talking about the direction of lamps here, boys. No, I mean, like, okay. I mean, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, you know, look, here's the deal. Like, I think, you know, when you talk about magic, I think most of us understand that magic as an illusion, there's always science behind it. Mm-hmm. So Everything. I mean, every illusion has something behind it that makes this happen or, you know, whatever. Um, I think in this situation, though, and, and this would be sort of a theological view of it is that whatever you can understand more about magic, magic as a supernatural or something that is, that is more godlike, the science allows you to more fully understand that God, right? Like that's, and that's in many great traditions and faiths, like that the more you understood, doesn't mean any bad thing, it means that you get closer to the deity, so i i and i you know personally, I believe that they go hand in hand I mean like I think that's okay like you can they both can exist and you can under- and you can respect and and understand and want to learn more about both or and and as you should, people should be inquisitive, ooh, where well, I don't know where that came from. I think I'm going to take another drink.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I And I think going into the fictional side of it, I think being a scientist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a very different set of prospects because the rules are different than what we're used to. I mean, even though it looks like our world, there are lots of other things going on that they would have detected, too, with all the scientific stuff, too. So the... The, even just their history of what they learned and, and the scientists, because the fact that you know, people are citing Bruce Banner right. in, in, their, <laughs> in their papers, you know, I mean, like, there's, there's a different set of, of history, a different set of rules, even that they know, even at this point uh, in, in the world, their world.
0: To me, it's especially interesting because, and Rob's I'm glad you kind of brought up the idea of faith and things like that. Uh, we're going to talk about what Arthur C. Clarke actually meant with his quote in just a moment. Yes. But w- to me, what I go to when I hear this discussion is uh, there's not like a one simple, easy quote, but, uh, a theme that has been talked about by, uh, more modern theologians for quite some time, it, you know, especially basically since Darwin it is the idea of saying that, like, yeah, science and religion aren't enemies. It's that people turn to myths to explain the things that science cannot yet explain. And that it doesn't mean the myth was wrong when we do learn it, you know, so that thousands of years ago, we didn't know how the sun moved across the sky. So a myth about a chariot came about. We didn't know how the earth was created. So myths about either six days or one day, which are both in the Bible, and I think it's intentional to kind of show that it's myth. But yeah, to, to me, this idea of like that there isn't a firm line between science and that which we call magic, it, it does make a lot of sense. Uh And, and I think in both kind of Whether it's science versus magic or science versus religion, and many people say it's the same discussion, and that's fair. I I, I do think, though, that Jane is not quite using it accurately here. Um, She's twisting it a bit to support the point.
3: Well, she's Mm -hmm. not. I mean, it's it's regularly twisted this way. I mean, this is regularly (laughs) said, magic's just science we don't understand yet, Arthur C. Clarke. And that's not what he said. Uh, you know, he had the uh, Clark's Third Law. It says any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, um, and it ends up getting paraphrased this way. And it's not necessarily saying that. I mean, here's this write up that I found.
2: It's all perspective. Let's see.
3: Let's see if this makes sense. Yeah, magic <laughs> is about appearance. A magician may be doing something we don't understand. There may or may not be a science behind it, but if the magician does this reliably, reliably, it's likely something is understood. It's likely something is understood, even if only how to create an appearance. I've seen phenomena reproducible that appear to be magic because they're outside of normal experience. However, if one has the experience, the science, i.e. knowledge, especially well understood and testable knowledge, the phenomena are not magic. They are technology. So that's, that's kind of a, a, the sense of what Arthur C. Clarke meant. You know, I, I think it's fine kind of you know, playing around with it in context of the film here, especially in a film that has science and magic in it, in a world that has science and magic. I, you know, I don't know if Arthur C. Clarke really wants it being paraphrased that way in general, but I think in context of the movie, you know, I think it's okay.
0: To, to me, this kind of highlights something that I, I wish the movie was being more consistent about, because it, on the one hand, it seems the movie is trying hard to say – there's nothing religious or divine or magical about the Asgardians. They're just a long-lived society that is sufficiently advanced that it is indistinguishable to humans from magic. Yeah, But they also do have magic. You know, right. And, and, right. and they say that Loki has magic, yes. and I, I feel like this part of it that that some of these debates maybe would have been a little stronger if they hadn't kind of blurred that line in the way they do, or at least explained the way they blurred the line. Because it, it it when they have debates like this, it kind of feels to me like the movie is trying to have it both ways.
1: Yes,
3: well, yes and no. I mean, they're they're saying that they saw them as deities, and they're not necessarily that they you know um, can't also be magical. You know, so I, I think that. I think that they can get away with that.
0: Well, I mean, I guess to me, it raises the question of, so does magic actually exist? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Or is Loki able to tap into something that is so sufficiently advanced technologically that to the Asgardians, it's seen as magic? You know, is it all science all the way down? Or is it, you know, I just... Again, give me a show. I'm, uh, Disney Plus has spoiled me. I don't want movies anymore. I want ten episode shows of everything. Yeah, <laughs> dig deep. Terrible for me to say on a next real movie podcast network, but uh, there just, you wait, go. just wait, just <laughs> wait,
3: just wait till we start going through the shows one minute at a time. Woo boy, oh
1: my uh, I, I think it also is where they're at in terms of what they can expect from the audience. So, I mean, obviously, this is very early on in what we know will be a long series, and there's, I, I feel like there's always this. Hesitancy in terms of what will people buy, like it's not not us nerds who are going to dig in and find every little nuance stuff too, but like you know, you're, you're I don't know, is Joe Lunchbox is that a is that a derisive term? I don't know, I don't really, I don't mean really think of it that way, but the people who don't listen to these shows, like the people who just like go and have a good time on yeah. a, on a Saturday night, watch a movie, and then they're done with it. Like you know, it's like oh yeah, when another one comes out, I'll go see it, but I don't I don't buy movies, I don't watch. I mean you know, like that that kind of thing to. Have it be that's accessible to everyone there. And so when you've I got guy in an iron suit, sure, I can understand that. That's technology. You have guy throwing a shield. Yeah, I got that. When you have a eh, space god with a hammer, then you have to like do a lot more tap dancing to make it so it's not like, whoa, hold on, wait, what? So I think that there's a, there's a bit of that that they are trying to play both ways because I always have checked tech- same things, too. So if, are Heimdall's eyes? Is that technology? Right. Yeah, is Loki's right. illusion powers is that technology? You know, like I know, what, I know. What is what is each thing? I yeah, I don't well, know. To, yeah, but and then and they still even after all these years, still there's really no thing that comes down that like Thanos isn't magic, but but Thor is right. Okay, and what's Doctor Strange doing? Yeah. yeah,
2: this scene because she does sort of twist the Clark quote. Yeah, when I was when I was reading again the the history of Marvel Studios, they had this great quote uh, from Kenneth Branagh about emphasizing how important Jane Foster was to the film, describing her as, and I'd never heard this before, not merely a love uh, a love cipher, but a mirror held up to Thor's volatile nature. And I think in this scene, mm. you kind of mm. get that, like she's she's kind of a rogue scientist, like you know what I mean, like she's, she is, yeah. And and this speaks directly to that, so. She's willing, even though, you know, I can make the case for both sides of this. She's willing to sort of bend the rules because she's following her heart. Right. Like she believes something. And so you're seeing sort of that that outburst. She's very uh, passionate about this. So. I think they try to do a couple different things here.
0: And the rogue scientist bit does make sense because I was thinking about this when we were talking yesterday about this aspect. You know, we think of science as like science is supposed to be completely objective. And you just you, you measure the facts, you study the facts, you accept the facts without thought you know, or without, you know, kind of preconceived notions and the like. But the fact is that almost every major scientific development that has fundamentally changed understandings was rejected at the time. No spoilers here, the TV show Midnight Mass, there's a major plot point that talks about how, um, for a long time, people, you know, didn't understand how infections worked. And when someone proved how infections worked, they locked him up in an insane asylum, because they—which is— Bad terminology today still bad was bad then, but that's the terms they used. You know, and, and so I was kind of thinking about that here as well, that like, yes, the rogue scientist is perfect because she's, she's actually being the truest to science of anyone there. But the scientific establishment is recognized by Selwig, which says, sort of said, no, that's outside the bounds of good science, is just not able to listen to her. Well,
2: wait, and isn't, and isn't the funny juxtaposition of this Galileo and like a Robert Bellarmine mm-hmm. were like, Galileo, Galileo's right. He, he knows he's right. But the way he goes about it is what pisses everybody off, right? So then you bring in, <laughs> yet right? Moves. So you bring in like Robert Bellarmine, and Robert Bellarmine's like, dude, can you chill out? Like, We all think you're probably right, but, like, can you do all the things you're supposed to do,
0: please? (laughs) So, I mean, that's what's happening here. It's actually really neat. By the way, as I'm sitting here talking about, like, the importance of, like, questioning scientific authority from time to time, (laughs) vaccines are good. Vaccines are right. You get a vaccine, wear your mask. Don't angry tweet me. Move along. (laughs) But can we also then talk about the brilliant comedy moment that happens when Darcy? Yeah, and yes, and this is—I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I swear,
3: more as I go through this film minute by minute, there are so many great comedy beats in this, and it's—I mean, Darcy and Jane, like they have some fantastic bits, and this is such a funny one when Darcy pulls this bit about it, the, the Vikings uh, thinking that somebody who came through the Einstein-Rosen bridge could be, you know, a deity. And, and Jane's reaction, like, thank you. And then she kind of like takes that beat and just like cocks her head at her. Like, did that just come out of you? Yeah,
1: It's so funny. It's just oh, just yeah. these moments. Yeah.
3: I just I love these characters. And it's just so much fun spending time with them.
1: Kat Dennings is a killer, man. She finds her moments and just pounces. It's great.
0: I talked about, we've all talked about, I think, that one of the fun parts about watching this movie is that it's the origin story for so many characters who we grow to know and love who change so much. This might be my favorite moment in terms of that with Darcy, you know, because Darcy is going to become the person who is always making those insightful comments and even but also still in a very witty, off the cuff, drive everyone around her crazy kind of way. Uh, and so I just love that. Like, to me, there's a kind of wonderful story of like, you know, uh uh, Jane acknowledging that moment from Darcy and Darcy being like, yeah, yeah, I can say the smart things. OK, cool. Well,
2: I'll do this more. But I love Jane Foster. I earned my spot. You, well, yeah. OK, but I love the like you could take it one thing where she's just like, where did that come from? But I take it is that. How come you're not like this all the time? <laughs> what are you doing anyway.
3: well but uh, you know we but we keep talking about these origin stories I mean you know we have you know we were joking last week we had the origin story with Hawkeye in this moment where he decides nope no sniper rifle I think I'll try this bow and arrow out you know so it's like there's <laughs> Hawkeye's origin story and now this is like is this Darcy's origin story where she's like you know what poly sci maybe not for me maybe I do like this other side stuff because as we see her in these later films it's like she's clearly taken this path so this this might be the moment where all of a sudden things click for her.
0: If only we could get a TV show where we could get to learn more about that journey of hers. Maybe <laughs> no. with some other agent, mm. especially because I think it would be so within her character for someone to be like, "Yeah, so was it like that whole Thor thing that like got you thinking you wanted to go into science more because you actually were like much smarter than people thought?" Her being like, "Yeah, but like also I was meeting really hot guys doing science, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> she is both. She is both the person with the great insights and the person who, when Jane was trying to like sneak a glance, she was just like." Popping some popcorn while staring at (laughs) Thor's half-naked body.
3: Yeah, right. Totally. I just also, I have to just call out how funny Natalie Portman is here. Because, I mean, she's carrying that Mm -hmm. scene, too. And, and, you know, she doesn't get credited often as a comedic actress. But in that phone call she did earlier with Eric last week and then with this, it's like she knows how to do it. And she does it quite well, I think.
1: She ends up being the straight man all the time. Like, everyone has Generally, them, yeah. I think she can, she, yeah. I mean, in pretty much every role that, that so they, they cast her in. But I think she can do both. And then there's your highness.
2: I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. All right.
3: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, anyway. So, we've got this moment. And, and that pretty much kills the conversation. Because even Eric stops and looks like, did that just come out of you? Which is great. Just a great moment all around. And now, we go back over to the S.H.I.E.L.D. crater base. And we see the holding cell. Actually, we're, we're looking at it through uh, the command center. Or we see the command center. We see all the agents working. We see Agent Sitwell there. We see the techie there. A bunch of other uh, frustrating S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that I just can't tell who they are. It's very frustrating. <laughs> there are so many oh, yeah. faces in here and so many shadowed people. I think Dale Godbaldo may be the one who crosses the frame, but I can't quite tell. Regardless, they're all busy working. And we see this great shot, Dutch angle of Thor... In the holding cell in silhouette, just sitting there, and uh, and we start hearing Colson talking to him. Colson is speaking to Thor, and it's an interesting conversation kind of to Thor about you know, like, kind of what Thor did. I mean, how do you all read this line of questioning that Colson is asking? Do you feel like he's being serious with these questions? Is he trying to throw them off and, and intentionally sound more like CIA or government? I mean, do we think Colson Thinks that Thor came down with the hammer, which theoretically we know that they, you know, tracked from space. Uh, where where do you all land with this?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that he's he's pursuing a line of inquiry. Which I, you, I mean, even being an agent of Shield, I don't think you immediately make the assumption that this man is from space. You know, even with his magnificent <laughs> oh, hair on. and bicep. You do, I mean, no. I'm just, yeah, you probably, know, yeah. he's, He has seen aliens, so I mean, like, I, like by this point. And Colson knows that we are not alone in the universe, but I don't think that he immediately makes that assumption. So I think he's working his way up. Like he's, he's starting for this, like basically, is there a cover, you know, like and, and, because, you know, a guy comes in and, and you know, whoops some ass but i mean you don't immediately go well clearly space god (laughs) so i think you start out from like okay so you're not one of our boys so who is it you know and then i think if we had seen it progress i think we would have eventually gotten to that point where he was sort of like you know finding out that he doesn't know anything about you know earth history Uh, you know he doesn't have a cover story at all and then you start getting into that stuff that's my thought at least
0: I think that's a lot of, I also think though there's a good deal of wounded pride happening here from Colson. Like he has been very proud of S.H.I.E.L.D. up to this point in the MCU. And in both the first and second Iron Man movie, we had Robert Downey Jr., you know, treating like them, like, like they're a bunch of mall cops and them actually being incredibly competent. Coulson's also the guy who wears his emotions on his sleeves all the time. And so what he says, like, look, you you treated my guys like mall cops. That's hurtful (laughs) for most anyone else. That's like a weird line or it's manipulative. I think Coulson, except for Kevin James. But I mean, whatever. Okay. Right. Well, okay. Again, I don't watch highbrow <laughs> wow. cinema, so I, I missed that one. Right. Um, We're just hitting all right? the But like, right. I, I think he's being kind of honest. I think he's like, "Hey, I I want to know because this this is hard for me to deal with." And I think I think that's a part of it. I think he's being very honest there. Of like, he has come used to the... especially because like Shield is pretty successful in in. I mean, we don't know that when they're writing Thor, obviously, but like we can read it back to his character now from the Captain Marvel movie, like. It, this is not how he's used to these things going he's used to shield being in control and i think he's i i, I think he might be doing a kind of like you know, he might be trying to press him to the point where he says what's all this earth stuff of course i'm not from earth like mm-hmm. i think you're right it's not that he's assuming god but he's kind of giving the guy the chance to say that but i think he honestly just wants to know because he honestly just doesn't understand like mm-hmm. my shield agents are really good how did you kick their butts
2: Oh, actually, I'm. Yeah. Gonna, he's, I'm going to go with your latter thing. I, I don't think he's pissed off about it either.
1: I mean, I think he's really, like, genuinely like, curious, which is one of the great things about.
2: I, well, no, but I actually do think there's a shade of this that no, he's toying with him in that I'm going to I'm going to insult you by naming off all these Earth countries <sighs> because that because maybe <laughs> that's what it's going to take to light you up so that you'll just come out and give it to me because he's seen things. Yeah, I don't buy the whole he's seen stuff. They have a they have a hammer that they can't extract from dirt. I mean, and this guy knows what it is and tried to, I mean, already he's probably thinks, I think he's, he knows he's dealing with something else.
3: Well, I mean, we were talking about this last week. I mean, for all Colson knows, this is just another drunk townie. I mean, there, the place was covered in drunk townies when he arrived. And so this could be one who just came back for one last round, for all he knows. Um, but, yeah, we did think there was something about the way that Colson watched uh, Thor as he approached the hammer with such kind of cocky assurity only to kind of like be broken by it be broken by this like act you know as opposed to just like ah, damn it and just like walk off like all the other drunk counties and so it's it's interesting and so yeah I, I do feel like there is something potentially there not to mention and we haven't brought this up when Thor arrives like all of the equipment goes awry. Like his connection to Mjolnir causes everything to go crazy. And now, and I'm assuming that like Mjolnir, like kind of shut that off when after after it had its little moment with Thor and said and kind of winked winked the Triketra at him. And now it's just <laughs> like you know everything's back to normal and uh, all the tech can work again. Um, so maybe Coulson's piecing all these different things together. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it, interesting.
0: It, but I do think it's, I remember when the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show came out, after like the first season or two, there was a lot of discussion in the fan communities about like, this Coulson seems very different than the one from in Avengers. Because in Avengers, he was very naive and he was very straightforward and the kind of deception we're talking about, which did not have seemed possible for the character in Avengers. And I, I, I wonder, it may well be that, like, just, you know, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., clearly he's gone to Tahiti, a lot has changed, Um, so that kind of explains it, but it may also be like, I feel like Coulson, being a character who had no basis in the comics, he was totally from whole cloth, It, it may also, part of what we may be seeing is just that the writers across these different movies didn't quite have all the exact same handle on him and so yeah maybe he is being a bit like i'm thinking of all his naive naivete from the first iron man and the avengers movie and wanted to put it on him but maybe yeah this is just a kind of different side that is a little more sneaky and 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 underhanded that kind of way
3: although when he says that's hurtful like that feels like straight out of agents of shield like that's like that's exactly <laughs> how he talks in that show it's it's great mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's it's a really interesting moment. It's an interesting conversation. And I also, you know, Thor's reaction, I think, uh, says a lot. The fact that he really doesn't react. He's just looking down. He's looking away. He doesn't want to make eye contact. And I think that just speaks more to kind of hit this broken place of his. I mean, he's got a cut on his cheek, which perhaps might be the first actual injury he's ever had in his life, maybe. I don't know. It's it's interesting um, just how— like walled off he is at this point and also not strapped down, which I didn't realize at all until (laughs) I was watching these minutes. I'm like, Oh, they just have him sitting freely in this room. That seems bold of Colson to go in there
2: or smart. You think, because you know what I mean? Like if they know, again, I will go from the theory that they know he knows he's dealing with something else and you don't want to agitate and he's, and he looks broken. We're going to play. We're going to take the play that, yeah, we're we're not going to destroy any more million dollar boxes <laughs> whatever other equipment, yeah.
3: Well, and they're they're still here in their bunker right they're still here at the uh, at the shield crater base they're just now i didn't even know they had a holding cell but apparently that's one more truck that they brought in i guess just in case it's the just in case holding cell along with all their just in case toxic waste and everything else that they brought uh all sorts of strange things that they truck in <laughs> when they have these emergencies but anyway here they are
1: people overpack when well, they're
3: going on a trip you know they don't know what they need exactly 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 so uh, yeah it's it's one of these things where it's like uh, I don't know. I, I I guess it's a a thing where they're still here. They're trusting him. Mjolnir is still not very far, but I I feel like that moment that they had with uh, with him, seeing that he couldn't move it, I, I guess that Coulson just feels confident that you know what. I don't think this guy's going anywhere at this point. I, I guess that's my read on it. All right. Well. And we kind of get to the end of this minute. We're still in the middle of this conversation as Colson is talking to him. And by the way, Colson's hair is looking great. He obviously dried it off finally after looking like a wet rat earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you all have any other comments or, or points you want to bring up about this particular minute?
1: Uh, well, I, I want to talk about well, but I know that would take us way too much of a divergence plus spoiling things for the future. Um, but I do like the fact that when they're when they're doing that push through uh, all the things, you can see Mjolnir on one of the monitors, yeah. and it is still emitting radiation or it's still putting out heat, like whatever it is they have on there. Mjolnir still hot. Yeah. So you know like it's, it's, it's you know, even though it's been sitting out in the rain now for all of the time like it's still you know so they actually know that there's way more to it than just like a an immovable hammer there's there's way more going on there. I think that was a nice little touch they just put in on the side.
2: Well and I love that whole push through too like you said the dutch angle um he's in silhouette so he's a shadow of himself. Like all of yeah, that, right, right. we didn't note the Dell XPS 24M featuring a 24-inch IPS display with active matrix pixel <laughs> refresh. That's in the upper right corner. I made that's that up, Matthew. I would. made that up. I have no idea what monitors <laughs> oh. these are. Jeez, what
1: crime! <laughs> Oh, it's good stuff. One day you will have these BS skills.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was a pastor for many years, please. (laughs) I have a lot of BS skills. (laughs) And Andy and Pete just got a lot of angry tweets. (laughs) That's not my problem. (laughs) Guys, it's been so good having you both on. Uh, Kyle, tell us a little bit more about the uh, radio drama, the uh, podcast drama that you've been doing.
1: Uh, My uh, my show I created is called The Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society. It is about a uh, married lesbian couple in 1900s France fighting evil. So they are. They it's sort of a people like pirate, but it's much more musketeery kind of thing. So they're they're using their swords and and their words to try and, and defeat them. And I have all sorts of really bizarre um, uh, super villains like you know Lord Buxton Blue and uh, there's an evil chef. Uh, I mean, like it's 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 silly and fun and and you know hopefully uh, heartwarming
0: as well. Awesome, awesome. Well, definitely check folks, check that out. Check out uh, all the stuff that both these guys did on the older seasons of Marvel Movie Minute. Uh, Thank you to both of you. Thank you, Andy, for all that you're doing. And thank you most of all to the fans. You all are what makes this all possible. Let us know what you think. Keep the feedback coming. And most importantly, have a great day.
3: Until next time, true believers.
0: Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for the show.